Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Amen. And all God's people this morning said with the band, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, band. Thank you, guys, for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, it's always it's always an honor and a pleasure to to come together as God's uh, children, as brothers and sisters under the banner of Jesus Christ, and to worship Him well, and to receive from Him, and to to, to praise Him. He is worthy of our praise this morning, guys. I I pray that that we don't take for granted the opportunity that we have. Uh, week in and week out, to gather together and to worship Him together. Th- these are special times. And I, I praise God that we live in a free country where we're able to do this without complete fear. Um, I-, I-, I pray that you're with me, and this is just an honor to, to-, to worship Him this morning. Well, my name is Matt. Uh, welcome again. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, Pastor Brian is-, is in Florida soaking in the rays. Uh, if you if you know about the Christian Missionary Alliance, th- this church is part of a bigger family called the Christian Missionary Alliance. And every two years we have a council. It it's called council, and I wish they'd change it because council sounds all weird and weird formal. But it's a party. We come together. There's like two thousand churches in the United States, and there's different delegates from all over, literally the globe, from all different countries that are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, bringing the gospel to all these unreached areas. We we've had uh, many missions moments here where we talk about what the alliance is doing. Well, they get together and they do this every two years called the council. They get together and uh, it's in Florida this year. And Brian's been able to get there, him and Rochelle. They've been able to rest in the Lord. They've been able to be fed uh, God's word every single night. It's been going on since like Tuesday and they've been having a blast. I wanted to update us, not update, but remind us that that Great Commission Sunday, what, three weeks ago or so, our church gave ten, about $9,900 towards the Great Commission Fund, which is a fund where all these different, yeah, we can praise God for that. In one, one Sunday, and Brian was able to give that into the, the big pool with all the other churches, and, and we are able formally to, to send those 60 workers that were waiting to be sent because the money wasn't there. We were able to participate in sending them in today, maybe even as we speak, possibly this morning. They're probably already done. Uh, Two years or two two hours ahead there in Florida, uh, but they were able to commission those sixty workers to go out, and they're going to be going out. So that's awesome. Let's just give that another round of applause. God is on the move, and it's good to be a part of His church today. I want to remind us this morning before we dive into His Word. I want to remind us that we are here not to do the church. Okay, and I pray that the way that you approach your Christian life, your life with Jesus, the life that you have in him isn't just, oh, well, I I do church on Sunday morning. That's what my life in Jesus is. I do church on Sunday morning. I want to remind us, guys, that life in Jesus is so much more. We are the church. And sure, we gather here this morning to to listen to God's word together, to worship together as a family unit, encourage each other, to spur each other on to, to good deeds and to love right in our communities. But we are the church. As we get up tomorrow morning and we go to our workplaces, as we are living and dwelling in our neighborhoods and mingling with our neighbors, we are being the church 
And I pray that we, re- we remember that this morning, that we're gathered, sure, as the church today, but we also want to be the church all week long and that as we scatter well as the church. Just as much important. Amen? Amen. And along with that, guys, we've been beckoned into a whole new way of living. If you this morning have come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior, if you've bent the knee of your heart and said, Lord, I know I, am, I, I was separated from you. I was, I'm a sinner. I, need, I am in need of your grace, Jesus. You've been ushered into the kingdom of Jesus. Let me remind us in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul writes this to the church. He says that he, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, that domain of darkness being ruled by, by the enemy, the kingdom of uh, the king of lies, the enemy who just presses us down. And we're destined into darkness. But God, as we come to know Jesus as Savior, he has transferred us from that dominion of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his son, Jesus, in whom we have redemption. That's what redemption is all about, is new life. We've been born again into a literally a new existence. Do we remember that this morning? We are part of an amazing kingdom. And Jesus, our King and our Savior, he is ruling over our lives. And it's a joy, I pray, this morning to be in his kingdom. And may we just have a, a prayer in the back of our heads as we dig into God's word. Jesus, may your kingdom come more and more in us. May your kingdom come more and more through us as we continue this morning. We're going to be looking at an aspect this morning of kingdom life, okay, in this whole new realm of life that we've been ushered into, that we've been invited into by Jesus. An aspect of kingdom life that is absolutely foundational to us. Yet, it's foundational, but I think a lot of us miss it sometimes. A lot of us don't remember this aspect of the kingdom of Jesus and our new identity in him. It's this lifestyle or a life rhythm, we're calling it this morning, a life rhythm that God desired to set up in human, the human race from the start. And he still today desires us to live in through a life rhythm of Sabbath rest. A life rhythm of, of, of Sabbath rest. Would you turn with me to Hebrews? You see it up on the screen. Hebrews 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 this morning. And go ahead with your phones, flip there, or in your Bibles, turn there to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to dive in this morning. Begin reading in verse 1. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his, or God's, rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Although his works, God's works, were finished from the foundation of the world. For he, God, has some, somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. He, God, again, appoints to a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken of another day later on. Verse 9. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has, has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. As we read this passage, many of you may have seen this passage before. Many of you maybe have studied this passage before. But this morning, as we look into this, we need to remember the main premise. Before we pray and get, dive into it, we need to remember the main premise of the whole book of Hebrews. Okay, we can't just pull this out and, and look at it. But in the whole flow of what the book of Hebrews is doing, the original recipients of this book were Jewish Christians. And that's important for us to remember, okay, as we, as we look at this this morning. Jewish Christians, if you've been with us in the last several months, uh, we've been studying the book of Joshua. Anyone remember? You with me? Yeah? Cool. No, no heads, that's good. Not, not falling asleep yet. Okay, so we've been looking at the book of Joshua. We've been seeing the people of Israel moving from the place of wandering in the wilderness, right? 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And we see them being ushered into the promised land, God beckoning them, come into the promised land and come take and possess the land that I'm giving you. And we've seen and we've watched in the last several months, the nation of Israel, this people of God, learn to trust in the Lord and learn to live in a life rhythm with God as, as God called them out to live in a new place, literally in a new land. And we need to know the book of Hebrews, again, was written to Jewish Christians. The very ancestors from this nation of Israel are these folks that, that have come to know Jesus. They've come to know Jesus as the ultimate fruition of all the Old Testament stuff, their Messiah, and yet they have all this heritage as, as a Jewish person. And the book of Hebrews was written to these folks. In writing the book of Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote the book necessarily, Paul, maybe some Barnabas. Anyways, there's still question of who's the author. But the author intended to help these new Jewish Christians understand the supremacy of Jesus Christ over all the Old Testament institutions, over all the Old Testament sacrifice systems, over all the Old Testament uh, high priests. He even goes in, in the book of Hebrews, you know, Jesus is supreme over Moses and Joshua. Jesus is supreme over all the angels. We see this theme going on throughout the book of Hebrews. And we hit this passage this morning. And he's saying to us this morning in, this, in Hebrews chapter 4, that in Jesus, uh, in Christ Jesus is found true Sabbath rest for believers. And it's only found in Jesus. We can't find Sabbath rest in just keeping the law. It's, it's got to be found in Jesus. That's the premise of us as we come in for this morning. We'll be narrowing in on verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read them again. So verse 9 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. So then, the author says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. God desires us, a statement for us to kind of hang on this morning, God desires us, his people, to function in a life rhythm of Sabbath rest. That's what God desires for us. And as we practice the rhythm of Sabbath rest, we learn two foundational things. There's a lot of places we could have gone today, but God led us to just land on two things that that we want to see this morning. Number one, We learn to work from a place of rest. As we learn to live in a rhythm of Sabbath rest, number one, we want to learn to work from a place of rest and not the other way around. We'll get into that. And secondly, this morning, as we live in a life rhythm of Sabbath rest, we'll learn to trust deeply in God's provision. And we'll look into that. Father, I just want to pause 
Lord, you, you love us this morning. We, we praise you for your love, Lord. We praise you that you care that we are continuing to be transformed into your son, into Jesus' image. And Lord Jesus, we just pray, we, we pause this morning. Jesus, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would your word be sharper than any two-edged sword? Lord, your word and your spirit knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts this morning. Lord, you know the intimate details of our lives and where we're at this morning. And Lord, we praise you for that. And Lord, with that, we ask that you would direct. Lord, would you speak? Lord, would you help us understand what it is you'd have us understand and apply in our lives? And Lord Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. We, as human beings were originally created to work from a place of rest and not the other way around. A lot of us, if we're honest, and and I'm going to ask a a question. Actually, I'm just going to ask this question as we get going. How many of us, by show of hands, audience participation here, by show of hands has already in their calendars, maybe in their iPhone calendars or in their big binder thing that they flip to page to page, month to month, and they have a calendar going, when you consider work and things that you got going on in work and in your job and things even around your house that you need to get done, do you have for next week, show of hands, have some things in your calendars that are priorities for work? Things that you need to do for work. Yeah, a lot of us, I don't know exactly what you're asking me, Matt. Uh, how many of us have detailed things for next week that we need to accomplish? Tasks for work and things. Yep. Now, hands down. And again, show of hands. Some of us, how about for the time for the next month, as we look in the month of June, do you have things for June 25th, June 26th, and 27th, you know, things in the month of June that you have planned out for work, details for work that need to be done? Yeah, a lot of us, okay? And I'm I'm not dogging on this. It's good to be good stewards of things, but my point is this. I'm gonna ask one more question for just next week. How many of us in our calendars do we have scheduled a time where we're going to rest in the Lord and have a Sabbath rest with him? And again, I, I'm sorry, I said in the first service, don't, don't show hands, it's fine. But just for your own reflection, who has planned in their time? They know, okay, next week, come Friday, come Thursday, come Saturday, come Sunday, I know I'm going to rest and I'm going to be, spend time with the Lord. I'm going to rest in a Sabbath day under the Lord. Now, again, some of us may have that, and that's awesome. A lot of us, myself included, do not live in a good rhythm of having that rest planned and scheduled and ready to go, not in a legalistic way, but in a way where we know we are going to rest, and then from that feeling of rest, we are now going to work our week. Most of us, if we're honest, we have formed habits that follow this kind of pattern. I work hard all week long so that on the weekend I can rest from my work. A lot of us function that way. I'm going to grind through Monday. I'm going to get through Tuesday. I'm going to hump over Wednesday, right? Hump day, Wednesday, right? And then Thursday, I'm going to push through Thursday. I'm going to cruise through Friday, you know, just kind of take it easy. And then on Saturday, my exhaustion from all my work, I'm just going to fall on my couch and rest on Saturday. We were never created to function like that. I wanted this morning, bring us back to our roots, bring us back to the original plan that God had for our lives. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, all the way back to the beginning where we see God creating the world. 
Genesis chapter 1, we'll be reading here in in, uh, verse 26. Real quick, I wanted to just bring us up to this point. God's been creating the world. He's been, you know, first day, second day, third day, fifth day of creation has happened. Now he's on the sixth day of creation. God has created all the animals and creeping things on the ground, the birds of the sky. And now he comes to verse 26, and we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the live stock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and in its fruit. You shall have food for it. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was an evening and there was a morning, the sixth day, chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We see here that God creates man and woman on the sixth day. We see God given Adam and Eve, given them dominion over all the land and over all the animals. We see him saying a bunch of things to do. He does give them some, a checklist. I want you guys to do it. I want you to have dominion. I want you to be fruitful and multiply, but I want us to see this. And did we catch it as we read it this morning? The very first day of our existence, okay, we, we were created the sixth day. We received some things to do, but then the very next day, what did we experience? What did we see? Go ahead, shout it out. We saw rest. We saw God stop and cease from all the work that he was doing. And we saw the God of the universe stop and rest. Our first full day as in our existence as the human race, we watched God rest. And we experienced rest with him. I believe that during, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what Adam and Eve did, but they obviously, God rested. So I, I, I feel like Adam and Eve were resting with him. And in his holiness, they were partaking in his holiness. They were, they were enjoying the creation with God and they were just resting with him. Our very first day, that was our experience. And then from there, if I will, the eighth day and on, sure, God says, Get to work and, and work hard, but maintain this rhythm of rest. Remember, rest in your lives. We worked originally from a place of rest. Now, you may be with me this morning. I've had this backwards. I still get it backwards if I'm not careful all of my life. And in fact, it's, and, it, and again, I'm not poo-pooing on this. It's good to work hard, okay? It's good to teach your kids to work. My father taught me to work hard, and it's good, but with the understanding of, of rest as well, okay? 
all of my life, though, a lot. And, and, and as God started teaching me this back in Bible school, this, this theme of rest, and, and I, I just remember I was involved in so much. I was so busy. I was doing, and it was, it was all good things. I was being busy and, and, and serving the Lord and, and working and doing all these things. And I'd come to my weekends and on Saturday or Sunday, whichever one, I'd just come and I'd just, I'm exhausted. I just rest. And sure, I'd try to spend time with the Lord, but I'd be so exhausted because my, my rhythm was work, 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 then be exhausted on my day off and then work, 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 and then be exhausted on my days off and then work, 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 work. It's just the opposite, how God tried to create us in a rhythm of rest and then you work. It's a big difference. We must work from a place of rest, not just rest out from all of our work. We see this pattern in Jesus's ministry, the son of God and the son of man living and modeling how to truly work from a fullness, from fullness and from rest. Jesus, if you read the gospels on numerous occasions throughout them, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all of them. If you read any of them, you'll see many times where Jesus, what retreats with his father, retreats with God. And he goes up on the mountain and he, and he, he rests in the Lord. He prays to God. He, he receives the daily, his daily portion from him and the daily marching orders. And then you see him go off and, and, and do miracles. And he knew exactly what to do and how to do it because he had spent time resting in the father. We see the same in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, how Paul, when he came to know Jesus in, uh, in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up. Hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, through the interaction, comes to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And it's not right away that he begins going on his missionary journeys. What does Paul do? He goes to Arabia and then back down to Damascus. And it says in Galatians that after three years... Of just resting and learning and growing in the Lord. Then he goes to Jerusalem, hooks up with the disciples, and begins his ministry. Paul began his ministry in rest, three years of rest, before he just dived, dove in. This phrase has meant a lot for me, and I pray that it can encourage us this morning. Doing must always flow out of being. Let that come into our minds this morning. Doing must always flow out of being. In other words, doing or our work or our ministry or our serving, whatever it is that we do, must always flow. It has to always flow out of a place of being, a place of rest, our rest and being filled with the Lord. We are human beings, not human doings. We don't work for God. This, this is another expression that it's helped me see this. We don't work for God, but we work from God. It's a big difference there. Do you see the difference? We're not going out to serve God and do our jobs for God and, and doing it for the kingdom. No, that, that it's, it's right, but not quite right. We're working and we're doing out work from God. We're resting in him and we're working out of the overflow of that rest question for us this morning. Do we have this rhythm in the right way? Do we rest and then work out of that rest? Or do we work, 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 and then exhaustively try to rest? There's a big difference. May we be people who know and understand what it means to rest. And out of the overflow of that rest, we work. I mentioned in the first service, practically speaking, 
maybe maybe a practical step we can start doing it. And, and I know a lot of us may work odd hours or work different parts of the days and different parts of the week. I encourage you, whatever day, I, but I do know that most of us have at least a day off, okay? Whether it's Tuesday or Sunday or Saturday or Friday, we have a day off where we can practice resting. I, and I encourage you this, on whatever day you have off, commit that day to the Lord to rest on that day and, and form in your mind your, your, your week from that day. Make that day, whatever, what, even if it's Tuesday, make Tuesday the first day of the week for you. And you're going to rest well on that day. You're going to do things that, that you enjoy, that, that, are, that, that you're able to absorb in life from the Lord, and you're able to rest well and begin the week on that day and then live and work the rest of that week out from that day and begin living like that. I encourage that just practically speaking. Even, like I said, even if your day off's on a Thursday, let that be the first day of your week and then live and work the rest of your week out. Back to our Hebrews passage. In Hebrews chapter 4 again, verses 9 and 10. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. As we practice the rhythm of Sabbath rest, secondly this morning, we'll learn to trust deeply in God's provision. We trust deeply in God's provision as we practice Sabbath rest. If I can push up my, my big black rim glasses with tape in the center, like kind of a nerd, nerd bomber a little bit here with you guys. I did a lot of study this week, and, and I didn't want to throw all of this nerd stuff on you. But in this, in this book of Hebrews, this phrase Sabbath rest here, I just want to explain a little bit where this is coming from. In the Greek, this Sabbath rest isn't two words. It's all one word. And it's actually a word that the author of Hebrews, this word has never been used prior to this in the New Testament. And it's never used again in the New Testament. And there's very few words like this in the Greek language. It's, it's crazy. It's like this guy literally, or this guy or gal, I suppose, made this word up to prove a certain point that he was making. Scholars are kind of puzzled, like, where did this word come from? He just kind of pulls it out. Well, we'll show you where it came from. And the word is this, sabbatismos. Now, can you say that with me? Sabbatismos. One more time, sabbatismos. And that's kind of Italian accent, which is wrong for the Greek, but hey, it sounds, sounds good to say it like that. <laughs> Anyways, again, this particular Greek word has never been used in the New Testament. It's not used again. This word is, however, if you dig into different scholars that have studied this, where did this word come from? It's not in the New Testament. If you look into it deeply, it's a natural development from the Hebrew word. Now, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. So this Greek word is a natural development from the Hebrew word Shabbat or Sabbath that was used back in Exodus 16. It's really interesting. This word uh, Shabbat or Sabbath is the noun form of the original root word. Again, we're kind of layering down here. The original root word and verb Shabbat or Sabbath again. And it's the verb, though, that we just looked at in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 3. So we have the verb Sabbath that, that God rested. That, that act and verb of resting was this Hebrew word Shabbat. 
And then we get from that, the Exodus 16, the noun, where God's, we're going to dig into that a little bit here in a second, where it's the noun of the day of Sabbath. God's calling us to keep a day of Sabbath. And then we have the book of Hebrews saying, hey, I'm talking about what's going on back there. Sure, it's in Greek, but this is the roots are back in the Old Testament here. Turn with me real quick. I know we're flipping around a little bit, but in Exodus chapter 16, let's turn there and let's look at this story where these roots that the Hebrew author is using to bring us to some conclusions about what this is all about. Exodus chapter 16. A little bit of a context. Picking up the story, the nation of Israel, again, this is, this is after Joshua, right? And, and anyways, or I'm sorry, this is before Joshua, not after. Uh, before Joshua, this is when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt. They've, they've, they've been freed uh, from the slavery there. They've crossed the Red Sea, and they are now in the wilderness, and they're grumbling because they had no food. Well, God begins in the story, as you read Exodus 16, God begins to miraculously provide them with quail in the evening and manna in the morning. And every single day, okay, on a daily basis, the nation of Israel would go out in the morning and there'd be that man on the, on the, on the ground, bread, and they would gather up what they need for that day and they'd take it and they'd eat it for that day. But the thing is, if, if the nation of Israel took anything more, thinking about like tomorrow or the next day, if they took anything more than just what they needed that day, stuff it in their pockets, that bread would rot. That, next, that following day, there would be worms in it. It would rot. And so we see this, God setting this up for us to see where the book of Hebrews is, is, is trying to get us to understand this provision thing. So let's read. Uh, let's, let's start on verse 22. So on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread or twice as much of this manna, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning and Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you, will you refuse my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And verse 30 says, so the people rested on the seventh day. If you've never heard this story, it's kind of an interesting story. This, this manna and this daily thing and God saying, don't gather more than you need. And on the sixth day, gather twice as much because on, on that seventh day, you just rest in my provision. Know that I'm providing for you and, and on and on the pattern goes. God is beckoning his people here to rest on the Sabbath in order to help them remember that he is the one who provides for them and that without his miraculous provision in their lives, they would literally have nothing. God was providing for all their needs and was going to continue to do so. And therefore the nation of Israel was simply invited to just rest and just know on a daily basis, God was going to provide this. They didn't need to be worried about the coming days and the days to come. They, they, and they learned this, this, um, this daily rest in the Lord. 
Now, in this, there's a significant detail. God's provision happens on a daily basis. Like, like we were saying, God would provide on a daily basis that need for that day. Nothing more and nothing less. The people had to learn to trust in this daily provision. They couldn't worry about tomorrow and gather up more food to last. They had to learn to focus on today. And this is a huge concept for us to consider. Jesus, if you remember him in his earthly ministry, confirmed this pattern of trust. As he was talking with the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells them that their heavenly father would provide everything that they would need. And that they don't need to be worried about their life as to what they're going to eat or what they're going to drink, but to, to just trust in the Father's provision. He says, he says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And then he finishes this, this thought, concluding in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. He says, focus on today. Focusing on God's provision for us a day at a time is really hard. Just a day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. It's really hard. Our human and natural inclination is to always project into the future. Always think of of what life, these situations that we know we're going to come across, these these circumstances and these plans that we know we have, and we begin to to think about them and dwell on them. And before we know it, if they're things that we're kind of anxious and worried about, we'll we'll dwell and we become very anxious and it becomes a burden on us. And and God's saying, no, no, don't don't project out and and try to pretend like what, what you're going to feel there. And here's the key in this. My wife and I, know that our natural inclination is to do this in our own lives and whatever, you know, things going on in our family, things going on in our work and our job, and and we we will project out in the future and we'll start thinking of things. But we've come up with a saying, me, my wife and I, and and we say this to each other from time to time. And I have to say she says it to me more than I say it to her because she's much more like Jesus than I am. Anyways... We say this, when, when, when she notices that I'm starting to be anxious about something, when I'm projecting into the future and I'm starting to worry about something that I shouldn't even be worrying about yet, she'll say God's future grace or God's future provision, grace and provisions, very common and similar things, cannot be experienced today. God's future grace, as we think about things in the future, we can't feel or sense his presence or his provision for those future events until we're actually in them and doing them when it's today. And so when we're trying to think about those future events a month, a year, even a couple weeks in advance, we can't feel the presence and the provision of God that will be there, but we can't feel it today. That's why we worry so much, and that's why it's, so, it's such a burden to be filled with anxiety as we're thinking about future things. It's because we're trying to live out of God's provision. We've got to wait till we're actually there. And then on that day, God will be faithful to give the grace needed to bring the provision needed for that day. So pausing here. The author in Hebrews is making this very purposeful and powerful connection back to this manna story. Where he he writes, now today, today there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Today. 
And like Israel, we're invited to rest in that same sure reality. God is our provider. Jehovah Jireh is his name. And he is faithful and he can be trusted. Question, are we practicing this life rhythm of Sabbath rest? Are we practicing trusting deeply in God's provision? Or are we too busy, always so busy thinking about the future, trying to almost in a way provide for ourselves, making sure, oh, we're going to be okay. So we got to think about the future, make sure it's all shaped out and good to go. Now, I'm not saying not to plan for the future because we can plan for things, but it's a different story when we start to uh, try to provide for ourselves and try to imagine what that's going to be like. We can't do that without God's grace being present. Are we practicing this trusting deeply in his provision? Moving right along, God desires us, his people, to function in a life rhythm of Sabbath rest. In the beginning, we talked about the book of Hebrews and the way it was written and for the reason why it was written, that, that to show Jesus supreme over all things. This morning, guys and gals, only in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ can we truly experience Sabbath rest. It only comes through Jesus. Jesus said that he is the bread of life in John chapter 6. What's he referring to there? Remember manna. Remember the daily provision of God. Jesus says, I, I am that daily provision for you. I am the bread of life. He says a chapter later, I'm the living water for your soul. Jesus is our provision. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, and we know this, but in light of the context this morning, the Sabbath rest, this wanting and desiring this life rhythm of this, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, or come to me, all you who are projecting into the future and you're anxious, you're anxious wrecks all the time. You're worry warts about things. Come to me, all you who are heaping these burdens upon yourself and I will give you rest. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our provision. He is supreme over all things this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to respond to the Lord and, and, and reflect upon these things. And I know, I know God's speaking to your hearts. I, I know God is speaking to you individually and uniquely to where you're at in life. The band's going to play just for a moment instrumentally before we come and take communion. Would you seal some things with him? Would you wrestle out with Jesus this morning how it is that he'd have you function? What are some changes of, of, of life that you need to, to, to change? Maybe just little tweaks the way you live your life. Not in a legalistic way, but in a joy like, yeah, this would be joyful, Lord, to learn how to live in Sabbath rest, with you as my provision, learning a new life rhythm. Spend time with the Lord and, and what he would have you apply uh, this morning. And as we come, as the band starts singing, we're going to sing good, good, good Father. God is a good Father. He knows what we need. And, and as we sing that together, would you come and, and take communion? If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, remember his body broken for you. Remember his blood that was shed for you. He is our ultimate provision. And let's celebrate him in, in the Lord's Supper this morning together, remembering our union with Jesus. Can we do that?